Welcome to the Vitality Radio Podcast, your source for the truth about health, wellness, and real alternatives to drugs, surgeries, and the status quo of healthcare. Here, you'll find information that empowers you to take control of your health. But it's not just about health and wellness, it's about the politics of healthcare and protecting your health freedom. Now, here's your host, Jared St. Clair. Hello and welcome to Vitality Radio. I'm your host each and every week. My name is Jared St. Clair. It's good to be with you again on another episode of Vitality Radio and the Vitality Radio Podcast. Do you ever feel like you're being lied to? Do you ever wonder if experts are really either misinformed or even on the take? Do you ever wonder if the overall universal consensus on something may actually be a load of bull? I do, and I'm not even talking about COVID-19. But I do have some things that I do want to talk to you about. Before I get into it, I want to remind you that Vitality Radio is always brought to you by Vitality Nutrition in Bountiful at 107 South, 500 West. If you have any questions, you can call us at 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. I've said a lot of controversial things on Vitality Radio over the last, I think it's almost 13 years now. And sometimes those controversial things don't go over so well with people who have very uh, strong beliefs that would go against my very strong beliefs. But today, I don't think that what I'm going to say will ruffle any feathers. Well, maybe it will. I don't know. We'll find out. But what I think is interesting about both of these topics that I'm going to share is that I believe that there is a load of evidence in the scientific literature, almost anywhere you want to look, that supports my position on these two things. And yet the majority of people don't even know that they are an issue. In fact, I'm going to shed some light on two things that you have been told, that we have all been told, are very, very good for us to use, very much about keeping us safe, and yet it simply just isn't the truth. Now, of course, my opinions are rooted in an alternative viewpoint that I've had for most of my life, but one of the things that I always do with Vitality Radio is do the research from the peer-reviewed studies, from sources like the FDA, the CDC, science journals, medical journals, things like that, to make sure that I'm not giving you some slanted view from some herb guy on that I found on Google. And today's episode is no different. About Four years ago, maybe three years ago now, I don't remember exactly, I did a series, a very short series, but it was basically three weeks where I did the five biggest food lies, then I did the five biggest drink lies, and then I did kind of some general lies that people are hearing and believing that simply aren't true. And the time of year and the time of life that we all find ourselves in lends itself to revisiting a couple of those topics. So we're May 29th today, 
which means that summer is right around the corner. If you are like me, you've already gotten out on a hike. Maybe you've gotten out on your bike. Maybe you've gone for some runs that you don't typically do outdoors. Maybe you've even gone boating. I've seen a lot of boats out getting fixed and ready for the season. And with that, of course, will come the sun. So we're going to talk a lot about the sun and sunscreen today. We're also going to talk about germs. Now, for years, I've been saying germs are our friends, and some people disagree with that statement. Some people are pretty darn germophobic, really. I, myself, bring them on. Germs are good for us more often than they are bad for us. That's probably the best way to put it. So let's get into this really quickly. I'm going to tackle these two big lies, but I also want to let you know that I am working on a podcast-only episode. Now, some of the stuff that I talk about, being that it is quite controversial, being that I need to dig kind of deep, and being that my audience on the radio is much more diverse than my podcast audience, I'm going to save some topics just for podcast. And I'm going to do a deep dive into the current state of COVID next week. So it'll be a podcast-only episode. If you haven't found the podcast yet, either you just haven't done it because you're always listening on Saturday morning and that works for you, or you haven't done it because you don't know how to find a podcast. Whatever it is, I'm going to encourage you to figure it out. And if you need help figuring it out, we'll help you at Vitality to find the podcast because I'm going to start releasing more and more unique content on podcasts. And the way you do that is uh, just give us a call, 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. Or come into Vitality. We'll help you find it on your phone. Or you can go to vitalityradio.com where all of my episodes are uploaded every week. Okay, so let's get into this. And uh, oh, before I do, though, it is May 29th, which means it is a fifth Saturday. It is a fifth Saturday. So if you're listening on the release date of this show, we're having a VIP sale at Vitality Nutrition. VIP sales come once a quarter, every fifth Saturday. If you're not a, an official Vitality VIP and you'd like to be, or you'd like to understand more about it, call us at Vitality Nutrition. We'll help you figure it out. But whether you're a VIP or not, today you can come into Vitality or you can call us on the phone. We'll give you 20% off of any one product of your choice. And we have a bunch of amazing specials on, in fact, we're really focusing on the brain. As you know, if you've heard the last few episodes, still have NeuroQ, regular $69.99 for just $29.99. That's Dr. Bredesen's formula, the guy that wrote The End of Alzheimer's. We also have the MAG 3 and 8. That's MAG-Teen, magnesium 3 and 8, which I've recently started taking. I'm really excited about it for learning and focus and memory. Really great stuff. Very, very safe and some excellent scientific studies to back up its efficacy. We have that for like 30% off. It's usually about 42 bucks for $29.99. It's not quite 30% off, but pretty close anyway. And we're also doing our best fish oil. It's called Vital 5 Omega, and that one's also 25% off. So the three of the big things that Dr. Bredesen recommended on the last Vitality Radio that where I interviewed him. So that's what's going on today. It goes from 10 to 7, and I'll be at the store all day long if you'd like to come and see me and pick my brain on anything. We'd love to have you come in. That's 107 South, 500 West, and if you have questions, call us 801 292 66 
too. And now it is time to rant. In a world full of often confusing messages about health, let Jared be your guide through the smoke screens of corporate greed, media bias, government ineptitude, and propaganda. When you see what is really happening, you'll be ranting too. It's time to expose the hidden agendas. It's time for the truth. It's time for the vital rant. An article from 2014 In fact, I have two articles for you from 2014 today, so we're digging back a little bit in the archives, but still excellent information. The key words listed under this article were Lysol lowers IQ and pregnancy danger. Ugh, that doesn't sound very good. Now, you may disagree with me that germs are our friends. You may still be germophobic. I don't know how you come out on that. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't pay attention to our environment that way, that living in a filthy home with germ-infested whatever is a good thing. I believe that one of the biggest reasons we don't have much disease in first world countries has to do simply with just cleanliness, plumbing, indoor plumbing, things like that. It's good, right? But at the same time, we can take it too far. Life is about balance. It always has been and it always will be. But an article that was posted on Natural News written by Sarah Berendsey, she said that Lysol kills 99% of germs. We as humans are living organisms as well, so is it really safe for us? Lysol makes a whole host of products, but the classic Lysol most of us think of when we hear the name is the disinfectant spray. Thegoodguide.com, which is actually a pretty good site, I like it, gives it a personal safety rating of 5 out of 10. And uh, they explain on their site what a 5 means out of 5 out of 10. If you want to check it out, it's goodguide.com. But it's interesting that in looking at a container in person of Lysol, if you flip around the back where you would like on a package of potato chips or a chocolate bar or a box of cereal, you'd see the ingredients, right? One of the things that America just simply does wrong, you know, if you're going to have regulations, if you're going to have regulatory bodies like the EPA and the FDA and all these other A's, if you're going to have these types of organizations, they ought to do their job. And the EPA and the FDA don't always do that great of a job. One of the things is we don't know what's in these chemical sprays because it's not a food. They don't have to have an ingredients profile. So you have to dig a little deep to figure out what's even in Lysol, but let me just give you some of the ingredients. Ethyl alcohol is number one. Now, we know alcohol is the primary ingredient in like hand sanitizer, right? We know it kills 99 point something percent of germs. But we do also know that ethyl alcohol does have some toxicity associated with it, including developmental toxicity, gastrointestinal and liver toxicity, neurotoxicity, and skin toxicity. So it's not without its problems. The next ingredient is water. I think we can all get behind water being okay. Butane, which can cause neurotoxicity. Propane, which can cause neurotoxicity and can also impact the respiratory system. And then you've got a few interesting ones. Ethanolamine, which is undetermined if it's toxic or not. C16, 
something called C16, whatever that is, right? Dimethylbenzylammonium chloride. That's an undetermined toxin. We don't know if it's toxic or not. Alkyl dimethylbenzylammonium saccharinate. We don't know if that one is. MEA borate. Don't know. MIPA borate. Don't know. Ammonium hydroxide, which can cause asthma. And then this is a good one, a really good one, because what are we using Lysol for now? Clorox wipes and all these things. We're using them to kill viruses, right? We're all scared of viruses. And this particular ingredient in Lysol has some actual proof that it can cause immunotoxicity and respiratory toxicity, the virus in question right now being COVID-19, which attacks the respiratory system and the immune system. And we're spraying and trying to kill it with something that attacks the immune system and the respiratory system. It also can cause organ toxicity and asthma. And believe it or not, it's been restricted for use in cosmetics in both Canada and Japan, but of course, not the good old U. S A. So yeah. Oh, and then there's the fragrance. And of course, Lysol, you know, when I was a kid, Lysol came in one scent, uh, stinky, I think is what it was called. But now they have, you know, these fresh scents and all this other stuff, which is a bunch more volatile organic compounds that we don't know if they're safe, but they're in there anyway. But get this, Lysol being a volatile and organic compound has actually been shown to lower IQ in children developmentally. In a report by CBC Marketplace, toxicologist Sean Ellis, president of Building Health Center, Inc., went to various people's homes testing air quality in the rooms where their cleaning products were kept. Lysol was the worst offender. Lysol disinfectant spray, which registered about 1,200 parts per million, roughly 1,000 times higher than even Clorox wipes, which makes sense, I think, because Clorox wipes are wipes, not sprayed into the air, and equals 1,200 drops in an Olympic-sized pool. Interestingly enough, VOC levels exceeding 500 parts per billion can lead to health risks, and they found that it was 1,200 parts per million, so infinitely higher than what is potentially considered safe. And this is interesting because... I believe that you know as well as I do that our school systems have been spraying the heck out of these buildings to try and keep our children safe, thereby, according to the research, potentially dumbing our children down in terms of IQ. And so here's the thing. I'm going to talk about germs and the delicate balance of life on this earth here in a minute. But if we are going to try to kill germs, which as a general rule, I don't agree with for the most part, because I take colloidal silver if I'm getting sick and I will use it even as a disinfectant when I feel like some germs need to be killed. But as a general rule, prophylactically, I don't think just going out and nuking all the germs is a good idea. But if you are going to do it, why are we doing it with something so toxic as Lysol? something that can actually lower the IQ of our children. Does it make any sense to you? Well, no, it probably doesn't. It doesn't make any sense to me either, but we aren't informed generally. Unless we dig for this information, we ain't gonna find it. I stayed in a hotel last night with my two children, 11 and 8 years old. We stayed in a little hotel 
Great little place. Absolutely clean as a whistle. And they even had stickers on the doors that snapped when you opened the door for the first time that said, for your safety, we've disinfected this room with Lysol. Do you see the problem I have with this? Maybe it doesn't bother you. I don't know. But what I've tried to do for all the years that I've done Vitality Radio is just bring stuff to the surface that is lurking beneath the surface and expose some of this misinformation and these lies that are out there. Do we really want to be using Lysol to kill bacteria and germs and viruses and all these things if it actually is potentially more harmful to us than the bacteria, the germs themselves. They also have found out that exposure during pregnancy is leading to children with lower IQs who have a harder time dealing with stress as well as social situations, reduces language and motor skills, and lower scores are shown as well in memory, attention, and verbal skills of children who have high exposure to Lysol when their mother is pregnant with them. Oh, so yeah, we have some problems with what we're doing here. In our effort to rid ourselves of germs, we are using chemicals that are probably more dangerous than the germs themselves. So then what do we do? What do we do? If we want to be, quote unquote, safe from these things, do we just don't worry about bacteria and viruses and germs? Do we just not care? Well, kind of. Because this is the thing. Bacteria and viruses have a symbiotic relationship with human beings. While we can and do get sick, most of the time, germs truly are our friends. This analogy I'm about to give you may sound like a bit of a reach, but to me, it's actually pretty fitting. Genocide has been the preferred method of tyrants and civilizations who have feared their neighbors for millennia on this planet. We don't understand you guys, you feel like a threat, maybe you are a threat, we're going to kill y'all, right? And yet, we all now, in 2021, for the most part, anyway, I think agree, that we can actually learn from our neighbors of different religions, ethnicities, and backgrounds, etc. I believe that God knew what he was doing when it came to diversity in humankind, and I also believe that he knew what he was doing when it came to biodiversity, the diversity of life on this planet, period. Life is life, and germs are living organisms, just like us. Why are we so hell-bent on killing them? I think it's the same reason that human tribes have fought and killed those who are different from them. We fear them in many cases because we misunderstand them, and so to be safe, we kill them. No time in history has proven that more than this time. As I said, the hotel night last night and everywhere you go, everybody wants you to feel safe. Safe, 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 safe. We've done Clorox. We've done Lysol. We're doing all these disinfectants because we want you to be safe. But why aren't we asking the question of were we really designed to live in a sterile environment? Is that what we were built to do on this planet? I mean, ask yourself the question. Are we really designed 
to live in a sterile environment? No. The way we build our immune system is to come in contact with things that are a mild threat to our immune system. And the symbiosis of germs and humankind is beautiful and it's delicate. And man, are we messing with it in ways that have never been done in human history. And here in America, we got more autoimmune diseases than we've ever had. Everybody's sick in this country, seemingly. Autoimmune diseases on the rise like crazy, and nobody seems to know why. Well, I have a few hunches. And one of the biggest ones is that we are trying to kill everything that is in our path, friend or foe. There's a great article on a website called thoughtco.com, and they summed it up really, really nicely. Bacteria, helpful or harmful, it says. When all of the facts are considered, bacteria are more helpful than harmful. Humans have exploited bacteria for a wide variety of uses. Such uses include making cheese and butter and even decomposing waste in sewage plants. Compost is another way that we use bacteria to our benefit, right? Scientists are even exploring ways for storing data on bacteria. How would that be? Bacteria are extremely resilient and some are capable of living in the most extreme environments. Bacteria have demonstrated that they are able to survive without us, but we could not live without them. I love that statement because it's true. It is 100% true. We would die off in a sterile environment. We have an innate immune system that we're born with and an acquired immune system. And the way we acquire it is by coming in contact with things that help to build us up. There is so much evidence that babies who are brought up in a sterile home environment where everything is wiped down constantly, have lower IQs, have lower immune defense. It's a problem, and we have to get on top of it. We've got to quit living in fear of every living thing other than humankind. And we especially have got to quit using chemicals like Lysol to kill them all dead. All right, that's my rant for today. I'm going to cut to a break. When I come back, I'm going to talk about sunscreen. What are we being told about sunscreen and what is actually true? I'm Jared St. Clair, and this is Vitality Radio. After decades of helping people with their nutritional supplement needs, I have observed something that seems almost universal People seem to have a lot of products that they have experimented with. Some might have been recommended by a blog or online, others from a magazine article, and yet another by a friend or family member. Information is coming at us at a rapid pace nowadays, and everyone has an opinion. The problem is that there is only one really big wild card in health and nutrition, and that wild card is you. I know you've heard the infomercials, seen the ads, or talk to that neighbor who has that cure-all product that can do it all for your health. The problem is, that supplement doesn't exist. What's right for your neighbor isn't always right for you. At Vitality Nutrition, we've been asking the right questions for years. 
What I mean by this is, we don't just sell supplements, we consult with our clients and ask them the key questions needed to make sure we match the right supplement to the right person. If you feel better about a team approach to your health, give us a call and one of our well-educated Vitality team members will answer your questions and help you find just what it is that you need to address your health concerns naturally. You can reach us at 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. Or drop us an email. Info at vitalityradiopod.com. That's info at vitalityradiopod.com. Welcome back to Vitality Radio. I'm your host each and every week. My name is Jared St. Clair. And if you have questions about anything you heard in the rant, I would love to answer them for you. Give us a call, 801-292-6662. One thing I left off, because there is a time and a place, obviously, where we want to clean things up and we want to sterilize certain surfaces. We don't want, you know, E. coli and salmonella and things like that hanging out on our kitchen countertops. I get that for sure. But there are things that are so much more safe, such as things like, hey, white vinegar, right? White vinegar is really, really effective. Even heck, if you want to use pure alcohol, it beats the heck out of Lysol. But you can also do something that I do called e-cloth. E-cloth is amazing. You can clean your whole house with water and a cloth. Well, there's a couple of different kinds of cloths, but you'll never have cleaner windows and mirrors. You won't at all. I promise. They are absolutely amazing. Another thing that's incredibly effective is steam. A good steam cleaner can do so many good things for you. And whether you're with me or not on trying to let the germs live for the most part, whether you're with me or not on that, at least some of these alternative cleaning methods are so much safer than these chemical things that we've come up with that we simply don't need. All right, so let's talk about sunscreen. It is summertime almost, technically not for another, what, 20-something days, but you know what I mean. It's in the 70s. We've had some really nice days, and I've been out in the sun a lot, and when you're bald like me, it doesn't take much sun exposure to get a sunburn on the top of that dome of mine. And nobody likes a sunburn. They hurt. And they're probably dangerous. Well, maybe they're not as dangerous as we think. Back in 2014, an article in The Independent, which is a publication from the UK, they published a major study conducted by researchers at the Karolinska Institute in Sweden, where they found that women who avoid sunbathing during the summer are twice as likely to die as those who sunbathe every day. So avoiding the sun versus sunbathing daily, twice as likely to die. How's that for an interesting study? Well, the epidemiological study followed 30,000 women, so it wasn't a small study, for over 20 years and showed the mortality was about double in women who avoided sun exposure compared to the highest exposure group. Researchers concluded that the conventional dogma, which advises avoiding the sun at all costs and slathering on sunscreen to minimize sun exposure, is doing more harm than it is doing good. In fact, there is even more evidence, a lot more, that shows that excessive sun probably is a very small contributor to melanoma. Now, I'm going to say that again because 
if you're like most people, you're not going to believe it. There is even more evidence, a lot more evidence, that shows that excessive sun probably is a very small contributor to melanoma, if it even is a contributor at all. Now, what have we been taught? We've been taught over and over again, shoved down our throats, that if you want to avoid skin cancer, you avoid the sun or you wear sunscreen, right? Period. And this is the thing. I have made it my mission in life to take these blanket statements that are given to us as absolute, unequivocal fact that aren't fact and expose them to the lie today because that just simply isn't true. And remember when I was talking about germs a few minutes ago, and I said, I believe that God knew what he was doing. Now, I don't know if you're a religious person or not. I really don't care. I don't care if you believe in God or not. If you believe in any kind of a higher power or something that organized this earth that we live on here, or even if you just believe in good old-fashioned evolution, it doesn't really matter. Humankind has been doing pretty darn well over the thousands of years that we've been here. We've survived okay on a planet without all these toxic chemicals, on a planet without sunscreen. (gasps) One of the most simple things, and I'm going to allude to it in a little bit, well, I'm going to get to it in more detail, but I'm going to allude to it now is that we have more skin cancer now than we ever have. And we use more sunscreen now than we ever have. So one plus one doesn't equal two in this case, right? So the conventional dogma maybe just isn't true. (gasps) Is it possible that that could be the case? Other dermatologists may worry about getting melanoma from exposure to ultraviolet rays, but Dr. Bernard Ackerman, who at the time was 67 years old, a renowned expert in the field and the emeritus director of the Ackerman Academy of Dermatopathology in New York, said the link between melanoma and sun exposure was not proven. In other words, we don't even know if that link exists. He has scrutinized one by one the widely held precepts about melanoma in the sun and found the evidence wanting. The field is just replete with nonsense, he said. For example, it is commonly assumed that painful or blistering sunburns early in life set the stage for skin cancer later on. But while some studies show a small association, Dr. Ackerman says others show none. And even Studies that do show an effect disagree on when the danger period for sunburns is supposed to actually be. So even the studies that show a link don't agree with each other. Common wisdom also has it that sunscreens protect against melanoma. But Dr. Ackerman points to a recent editorial in the journal Archives of Dermatology, concluding that there was no evidence to support that idea. No evidence that sunscreen prevents skin cancer? Oh, sunscreen industry doesn't want you to hear that. 
Staying out of the sun or using sunscreen will not prevent skin cancer, according to Dr. Ackerman. But seriously, who is this guy? Some quack doctor with no real credentials, right? He's got to be. This guy doesn't know what he's talking about. My dermatologist told me I have to use sunscreen. I should use it every single day. That's what most dermatologists will tell you. If you're a woman, you know that it's probably in the base that you're putting on your face every day. But Dr. Ackerman must be just some quack. No, no, he's not. He has spent most of his career in academia. He has published 625 research papers. Now that's a career. His list of honors and awards include this year's the Master Award. This is back in 2014. Given to one person a year by the American Academy of Dermatology. (laughs) The very academy where all these dermatologists are telling you, you got to stay out of the sun. You got to wear sunscreen every day. His academy, he says, is now the world's largest training center for dermatopathology. Dr. Ackerman, who has paid a flat salary, and his six associates examined more than 100,000 specimens and have done more than 4,000 consultations every year. Dr. Ackerman continues to teach and write and also to ask for data and question his field's conventional wisdom. Conventional wisdom Man, we used to think leeches were the way to go with medicine. Just remember that, okay? Conventional wisdom isn't always right. In fact, it's often proven wrong. Dr. Bernard Ackerman is no quack. He died in 2012, two years before this article was released, but not of sun exposure or cancer. He died of a heart problem at the age of 72. So in reality, he was one of the most well-respected and most accomplished dermatologists in the field. In the New York Times article, he he went on to explain that anyone who argues that sun exposure causes melanoma needs to explain why blacks and Asians get melanoma almost exclusively on skin that is not exposed to sunlight, the palms, the soles of the feet, nails, and mucous membranes. Even in whites, the most common melanoma sites, the leg in women and the trunk in men, are hardly the most exposed body parts. It is not a popular argument, Dr. Rigel, reached by telephone in Hawaii where he was vacationing, said it was perverse of Dr. Ackerman to pick the data apart. This Dr. Rigel said it's perverse of him to pick the data apart. I love that. I love that. I love it so much because we've heard so much of it this year. This last year, anybody that picks the data apart and offers up an opposing view, is seen as a charlatan. But what is wrong with picking the data apart? Isn't that why we have the data? And maybe you say data, (laughs) because my eight-year-old son always corrects me when I say data. So I'm going to say data or data, but either way, isn't that why we have it? Isn't it supposed to be picked apart? Aren't we supposed to parse through it and figure out what it actually means? No. No, 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 no. Because conventional wisdom is God in the case of medicine. And you can't question God, right? Here we go again. A doctor exposes substantial evidence that popular theory and wisdom in medicine is wrong. And another doctor calls him a pervert. (laughs) Oh my gosh, this is happening so much right now, right? Well, it's been happening for years because if all the dermatologists 
who learn all their dermatology from the same place think it's this, and then some quack that's only published 625 studies over a 30-year career and sees 4,000 different people every year dealing with skin cancer, that guy can't pick apart the data. He must be a pervert because he disagrees. Because he disagrees. Melanoma, Dr. Rigel said, can occur where the sun doesn't shine, but that is because sunlight suppresses immune cells in the skin's surface that ordinarily hold cancer at bay, he said. Does that even make sense to you that the sun would suppress immune cells? Because we know that vitamin D is anti-cancer and it comes from the sun. So do you think? Maybe? Well, you know what Dr. Rigel said? The reason he avoids the sun? Because he's a dermatologist. (laughs) I love that statement. I do because I'm a dermatologist. I have to avoid that. So I tell all my patients to avoid the sun. That's why. It's not the data. I don't pick apart the data. That would be perverse, right? Well, Dr. Ackerman does not buy the immune system argument. It is a hypothesis to support the hypothesis that sun exposure causes melanoma, he says, but it is not evidence. And aren't we going off a hypothesis like crazy right now? We have all these theories and hypotheses and We don't know what we don't know, but we're going to go with we know, right? We know because we don't know. But if you say that what we know, we don't actually know, then you get censored on Facebook and Google and called a pervert like Dr. Ackerman. In fact, it's far from evidence that this hypothesis of the immune suppressing exposure to the sun hypothesis. It's not evidence because we know from countless studies that vitamin D we receive from sun exposure is actually a critical component of a fully functioning immune system. At this point, Dr. Rigel sounds more like a quack, and yet he is on the side of quote-unquote conventional wisdom. But I'm going to ask you again, how does it make sense that we're using more sunscreen than we've ever used We're avoiding the sun more than we've ever avoided the sun, and we have more skin cancer than we have ever had. How does that make sense? It doesn't make sense. Not even a little bit of sense. So back to the original point. Sun avoidance does not prevent cancer. Avoiding the sun may actually cause cancer, according to the latest research. Let's talk about common sense for just a minute. Aren't we supposed to be exposed to sunlight? Doesn't nearly every single living thing require a certain amount of sun exposure? Of course so. To me, it has never seemed logical that the sun could actually be our enemy. So even Dr. Ackerman agrees that excessive sun exposure can lead to long-term skin damage, and nobody likes a sunburn, which of course is full evidence that your skin has been damaged, right? A sunburn would prove damage. So, of course, the answer is that after you've received a sufficient amount of sun for the day, then you put on sunscreen, right? After you've received a sufficient amount of sun for the day, then you put on sunscreen. Well, first off, 
What's a sufficient amount of sun? Most of the research is actually pretty clear on that. And actually, I think largely, even the conventional wisdom states that 20 minutes of sun exposure a day is really good for you. Although you will have dermatologists telling you that if you want to have perfect, beautiful skin on your face, you should use a SPF 15 on your lips and on your face and everywhere else all day long, which I think is a horrifyingly bad idea, but whatever. So then the question is, if you have gotten your 20 minutes, so you get your vitamin D, then should you put on sunscreen right away? Uh, maybe not so fast. Elizabeth Plourd, who's a PhD and a California-based scientist who has spent her career researching various medical topics, she discovered that not only do sunscreens fail to protect us against cancer, they may actually increase it. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. Remember what I was saying about Lysol? How Lysol is supposed to keep us safe, but maybe it's actually making us sick? Well, we might be right there again with sunscreen. She wrote a book called Sunscreens Biohazard Treat as Hazardous Waste. I love the title of that book. Her book provides extensive evidence of the dangers of sunscreens and their negative effect on the environment. Dr. Plourd, I hope I'm saying her name right, presented research data showing that levels of malignant melanoma and all skin cancers increased significantly as the percentage of sunscreen users rose over time. Remember what I said before? The more sunscreen we use, the more cancer we get. I mean, that's some pretty powerful data there, Dr. Rigel. Many of the chemicals in sunscreen are known carcinogens. Yeah, yeah, I just said that. Many of the chemicals in sunscreen are known carcinogens, are known to cause cancer, and they are in the sunscreen that we're using to prevent cancer. Well, there's a suspension of logic for you. They are also endocrine-disrupting chemicals. Now, if you're much of a listener to Vitality Radio, you've heard me talk about xenoestrogens and endocrine-disrupting chemicals. These ones that confuse our own human endocrine system as to knowing what the heck it's supposed to be producing. These EDCs have properties that disrupt both androgens and estrogens. In areas where there has been much exposure to EDCs, coral and other sea populations have died off and the prevalence of dual-sexed fish has risen. Well, that doesn't seem problematic, right? Have you ever seen that on your sunscreen that's coral safe? That's because they've changed the chemicals they use because they found out they were killing the coral reefs. So now they use other chemicals that aren't as harmful to the coral reef, but are still known human carcinogens. So, well, at least the coral reefs are safe, right? I'm telling you, these chemical companies, and make no mistake, companies like Banana Boat, they're chemical companies. They're not health companies. I promise you that. Well, Dr. Plourd presented research on mice and sunscreen exposure that showed increases in both pup and maternal mortality, as well as reproductive issues in subsequent generations. Subsequent generations. So not only affecting them, but also their offspring. Oh, boy. It just gets uglier and uglier. 
To make matters worse, most sunscreen manufacturers use nanoparticles of titanium and zinc oxide in their formulas. The FDA currently has no requirements for noting the presence of nanoparticles on cosmetic product labels. Nanoparticles are so small that they can penetrate cell walls and cross the blood-brain barrier. This leads to more cell oxidation and damage, further increasing the possibility of skin cancer and other potential long-term side effects. Sadly, sunscreen residues have polluted many of our water sources, including not just the oceans, but inland lakes, rivers, and municipal drinking water. Testing has shown that 97% of Americans have sunscreen chemicals in their blood. These chemicals can pass through the placenta and are often found in breast milk. EDCs can alter male-female sex differentiation, cause men's breasts to grow, impact brain development, disrupt thyroid function, and impact both male and female fertility. Sunscreen also leads to vitamin D deficiency because it blocks the UV rays that produce vitamin D in the skin. And of course, vitamin D deficiency is often linked to reduce immunity, cancer, autoimmune diseases, and a number of other health issues. Vitamin D deficiency, in fact, has also been proven to be a major common factor in patients who've been hospitalized with COVID-19. So we don't want to lose vitamin D. We don't want painful sunburns, but we also really don't want cancer, hormone disruption, liver toxicity, and all the other downsides of sunscreen. So now what? Sun? No sun? Sunscreen? No sunscreen? What is the answer? Well, I actually think it's fairly simple. The sun is your friend just like germs are your friend. The sun can go too far, so to speak. If you sit out in it for too long, you will get burned and you will probably get some skin damage. And that certainly, there's quite a bit of evidence anyway, can lead to wrinkling, discoloration, things like that. Cancer, according to Dr. Ackerman, there's no proof. But that doesn't mean you don't want to protect your skin. And you certainly don't want blistering sunburns, right? Nobody wants that. So then what do you do? First, I wholeheartedly believe, and this is how I live my life with me, and it's how I do it with my kids, and I absolutely believe it. You should give your skin some sun. 20, 30 minutes, even longer, if your skin tone can handle it. Because you have to keep in mind, too, the more melanin in your skin, the better sun protection you have. The darker your skin, the less likely you are to get sunburn. So you know that base tan that everybody talks about? Get one. That's what I do. I'm a pretty white guy, okay? Pretty, <laughs> probably the wrong word. I'm very white. Let's put it that way. And I have this bald head. So as a pale-skinned guy with a bald head, I go out for 15 or 20 minutes early in the year, like right now. And then I work up to mowing the whole lawn without sunscreen. I don't get sunburned. I get a little deeper tan. That's actually how our skin adjusts. And I believe I'm doing myself more good than harm by doing that. But if I'm going to have significant exposure, especially if I'm going to be on or in the water where that those UV rays are amplified and, of course, sunscreen can wash off, right? Oh, wait, sunscreen. What? Jared, you use sunscreen, Jared? Yeah, of course I do. I don't like sunburns. I hate sunburns. I don't get sunburns. Hardly ever. Because I've 
found kind of the rhythm that works. So this is what I do. I get exposure to the sun with no sunscreen whatsoever for somewhere between about 20 and 45 minutes generally. Later in the season, it's longer. Earlier in the season, it's shorter. And as I build up that tolerance, I stay exposed longer. I also have found that giving my skin a little bit of a break, being out on the trail for 20 or 30 minutes, and then getting some shade for five or 10 minutes and letting things kind of cool down and relax, then I can get even more exposure. But when I get to the point where it's like, okay, I better make sure I get some sunscreen on so I don't get burned, then I use natural sunscreen. Now, not all natural sunscreen is created equal. You really don't want the ones with the nanoparticles. There's two brands that I've found are really, really effective that work really great and they work immediately. You see the dangerous sunscreens, the typical sunscreens out on the market, they take 30 minutes to kick in because they have to actually have to make a chemical reaction in your skin. And it takes about 30 minutes for that to happen, which is why your dermatologist might tell you to put it on before you leave the house. But then what about your vitamin D? And what about your tan? I think most of us like to have a little bit of a tan, right? I know I do because it protects my skin later. And frankly, I like the way it looks and that's okay. A little vanity is okay, right? So with the natural sunscreens, one by ThinkSport and another one by All Good, which I love the name of that company because it is. Everything in their stuff is good. ThinkSport the same way. Those sunscreens work great. And when you rub them on your skin, they are immediately protective because there's no chemical reaction. The zinc oxide that's in them, which is not a nanoparticle, reflects the rays of the sun off the skin. Simple as that. And it does it immediately. You got to rub it in a little harder to get it to penetrate and not leave that whiteness on the skin, but you can get it in there and it works great. And that's what I do with me and it's what I do with my kids and it is awesome. And I believe that I will not cause skin cancer by putting cancer-causing chemicals on my body. Instead, I will prevent sunburns and get all of the beauty of the sun and the power within the sun to build my immune system, to get my vitamin D levels up, which prevents cancer and prevents things like COVID, the seasonal flu, there's tons of evidence that vitamin D is the best defense against the seasonal flu. Builds up your immune system against colds and so on and so forth. We need that. And I can sell you vitamin D at Vitality. I can if you want it in a pill, but we're supposed to get it from the sun. That's how our bodies were designed, and it's good for you. It's good for you to get it from the sun. So two common fallacies. I don't know a better way to call them anything other than that. They're fallacies. You could call them lies, I guess, but it's serious misinformation. And that is that sunscreen protects you from skin cancer. I don't believe that it does, at least not. Well, I don't think any of it does, honestly, even the natural stuff, because I just don't think skin cancer comes from the sun. I think skin cancer comes from the chemicals that we're slathering on ourselves to prevent skin cancer, which is sick. You want to talk about perverse? Yeah, perverse. I'll tell you, sometimes knowing stuff is a bugger. You know what I mean? 
Like blissful ignorance would be really nice sometimes. Because when I'm at the pool with my kids and our natural sunscreen and I see really well-meaning parents doing their best to take care of their children, spraying that poison all over them, it makes my skin crawl. But that's why Vitality Radio is here, is to inform you about these things. If you want to try one of these sunscreens, this is just kind of off the cuff. I hadn't actually planned it. Come get it. Mention this show, 25% off. Listen, I'm never going to send my kids to college with what I sell in sunscreen. But if I can help you protect your family with the good natural stuff, I would love to do that. 25% off just for mentioning this show on Think Sport or All Good Sunscreen. I want you to use it. I want you to try it. I want you to love it as much as I do. And I want you to stop fearing the sun because it is not your enemy any more than germs are. And a reminder, I'm going to do a bonus episode of Vitality Radio. I'm pretty sure I'm going to record it on Monday or Tuesday of next week, okay? And it's going to be too hot for radio. And I really do mean that. Really, really good information. If you like what you hear, go tell somebody. Find the podcast. Share it with your friends and family members. If you have questions about anything you heard, give us a call. 801-292-6662. My family business, Vitality Nutrition, in Bountiful, Utah for 43 years, 44 in August. We're going to have a 44-year birthday anniversary celebration in August. I'll tell you more about that as it comes up. If you're interested in yoga, if you thought you couldn't do it and you're intimidated by a fancy yoga studio, we have Yoga at Vitality now, and I am loving yoga with Amanda Cotter. She is a guru, I promise. Come join me for a yoga class. But regardless, give us a call if you have any questions about anything you need. I don't care how close to Bountiful you are. If you're within the sound of my voice, you're within the reach of our help at Vitality Nutrition. Our singular goal to inform you on how to take better care of your health and the health of your family and achieve optimal vitality. That's what we do at Vitality Nutrition, and it's what I try to do here on Vitality Radio. Thank you so much for listening to me. My name is Jared St. Clair, and this has been... Vitality Radio. You've been listening to the Vitality Radio podcast. Enjoy your week. In the meantime, Jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it. Vitality Radio is researched and written by Jared St. Clair. Produced by Elizabeth Joy Windham, with very limited help from Jared. Our awesome music is by Brian Bob Young. Support Vitality Radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or your favorite podcast source. Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you. Hello, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Vitality Radio. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast has not been evaluated by the FDA. This podcast is provided with the understanding that the information shared is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a medical professional. Thank you.